Hello and welcome to CAD Speaker Series Podcast. Hello, I'm Chuck McKenney, Communications Manager at the Center for International Development, and today we are discussing our new 2026 growth projections. These projections of annualized growth rates to 2026 are based on the latest 2016 trade data and CID's measure of economic complexity, which captures the diversity and sophistication of productive capabilities in a country's exports. Our guests today are Tim Cheston and Sebastian Bustos, research fellows at CID and members of the team leading the Atlas of Economic Complexity, our research and data visualization tool used to explore global trade dynamics and discover new growth opportunities for every country. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Let's start with Tim. What countries are you predicting to be the fastest growing countries moving forward? So at the top of the list, we see India and Uganda, uh, both projected to grow at 7.5% or higher, or 7.9% in India's case, and followed by a few other countries in East Africa. We see Tanzania also high on the list, along with Kenya, uh, also in the top 10. Southeast Asia also makes a big uh, jump in our list as a large share of the top 10 as well, where we have Indonesia, uh, alongside Vietnam, uh, the Philippines, and also Thailand and Malaysia, uh, very high among the list. Sebastian, can you talk to us about the data used to calculate these projections? Yes. So in our theory of, of economic growth, uh, we think that the countries grow by accumulating different capabilities. We would like to see what different countries are able to produce. However, production data is not very, uh, available across countries and it's not really comparable. That's why we rely mostly in trade data. Basically, what we do is we observe what the countries uh, trade with each other. And the great thing is that the trade data is collected in a standard way across countries using the same classification. In that way, we, we are able to see what the countries are able to produce competitively enough in order to export to different countries. Can you talk a bit about the source of the data and, and the process, briefly explain the process? Yes. So what we do is basically we, we use the data coming from Comtrade, that is a repository that collects the data from customs unions across the world. And what we do is basically we compare what the exporters and importers say that they are trading. We clean that data and uh, we generate a consistent database that uh, goes from the uh, that starts in the early 60s till the latest year that we have available, that is 2016. Let's talk about economic complexity and how these projections differ from others we may see. So our measure of economic complexity uh, measures an economy's the diversity of the goods they produce and the sophistication of, of, of those goods or how many other countries are able to make that specific set of goods. So countries are able to diversify their goods based on the diversity and the specialization of the know-how they have uh, in their workforce. So the growth projections are based on, on this measure of economic complexity or the economic complexity index, uh, which fundamentally measures the diversity and the sophistication of a, a country's productive capabilities. You know, we like to think of it like a, a game of Scrabble. Different countries have different sets of letters from which they can make products or words in the game of Scrabble. Uh, so fundamentally, how many different letters you have defines the number of words that you're able to produce such that actually as you add an additional letter or you add an additional set of know-how or capabilities, you're able to uh, exponentially increase the number of goods that you're able to export. 
so this is the core of how uh, growth happens in our in our view is that countries are able to diversify their know-how or diversify their capabilities allowing them to reach further diversity of production and therefore achieving higher complexity and higher growth so from the point of view of the calculation basically what we do is we see how many different products are exported by countries but also how many countries export each product and uh, we have a formula that basically rewards products that are exported by only a few, recognizing that those products may be m more difficult to, to, to produce, that may require more capabilities. And uh, we, in some way, we punish those products that are able to produce by, uh, by too many countries, assuming that these are uh, more simple stuff to produce. So one of the fundamental facts we see of the world is that poor countries in general produce few products and products that every country basically knows how to produce and rich countries by contrast actually produce a, a wide diverse range of goods and goods that few other countries know how to produce so countries vary in their diversity but products also vary in the number of countries that are able to produce them so raw wood is able to be produced by a large number of countries, including some very low-income countries. But other areas like x-ray machines are produced by very few countries and countries with very high income levels. And so what we see behind that is that x-ray machines, therefore, must be a more complex good that relies on a more sophisticated set of capabilities or know-how in its production. So using those dynamics of product complexity and country complexity, we've come up with the economic complexity index and the growth projections can therefore analyze where are you in that index versus your current income per capita. And countries that stand out as having a much more complex economy than is currently expressed in their income per capita, we predict will be the leaders of, the gro of growth for the coming decade. So how is the economic complexity index different from other measures? There is a wide range of different indicators being generated by, for instance, the World Bank or the World Economic Forum. Let's take, for instance, the doing business. So for constructing those indices, they use surveys and they need the input from different experts. And there's a little bit of a gray area on how to measure different things. In our case, basically, we do a much simpler index, that is, who exports what and how many other countries are able to produce those goods. Therefore, this is a measure that is more hard in nature, in the sense that it's, a, it's an objective measure of what you are able to produce. Let's get back to the Scrabble analogy. How can countries acquire letters or know-how? So in that Scrabble metaphor, complex economies are those that can produce many words and words that are very long, that contain many letters, including many rare letters that few other countries have. So how do countries then move from producing short words to producing long words is the perfect question. We find that some letters are more valuable than others. So how you think about what capabilities are missing, how you think about what letters are missing, will fundamentally depend on what letters you currently have, but also how easy it is to use new capabilities and incorporate them into your production. So let me give you an example. So many countries who produce cotton assume that they can easily move into textile production. But textile production itself requires on a very different uh, set of capabilities, or in this case, a very different set of letters than what it takes to produce cotton, much less what it takes to produce light machinery or heavy machinery or chemical products. So the products you're able to currently produce limit the other products that you're able to move into. So those countries that produce cotton 
are not guaranteed to have the capabilities necessary to produce textiles, as that's a very different word with a unique set of letters. So how do you add those letters? We think of it as a, a basic chicken and egg problem, or, or take the case of watchmakers. Nobody wants to learn to become a watchmaker if there's no watchmaking industry. But no watchmaking industry wants to enter a location in which there are no watchmakers. So it is in this coordination of both adding the know-how into a new area and inserting that know-how into the realm of production that allow countries to add that new letter to make more diverse words and words of longer length or of greater complexity. This year, you have identified five economies to watch. Who are you watching? So the five economies we're watching are India, China, Uganda, Vietnam, and Mexico, but for very different reasons. India earns this top ranking of predicted growth, uh, in our view, because of its diverse export basket that includes some very complex sectors, such as chemicals, vehicles, and a limited set of electronics that far exceed what we would expect for their current income level. But we also find worrisome signs uh, in India's development. So fundamentally, the diversification of India's export basket has not grown or has not made any significant gains over the past decade. So while it currently outpaces expectations for its income, there are still further gains that are needed to be made to diversify its export basket in order to sustain its current fast-paced growth over the coming decade. So China is also on our watch list as a country we're monitoring very closely. We've seen China rise 13 positions in the Economic Complexity Index since 2006 as the 10th best improvement globally, and now actually ranks as the 18th most complex economy in the world in that index. But we also see that China's growth will begin to slow down from its recent tear. So in, in 2018, we expect China to contribute one-third of total global growth, but that that growth rate is predicted to come down to 4.9% for the coming decade on an annual basis. So one of the areas we're monitoring closely for China is that this actually marks a two-year decline in China's export volumes, which is the first two-year downturn that we've seen since 1966. In particular, we see significant declines in, in China's textile exports, but also computers, which has experienced one of the largest single product declines at over $28 billion over the past two years. So with the ongoing risk of a trade war with the United States, China inevitably will be a country we monitor closely uh, over the coming years. The third country on our watch list is Uganda. Uganda makes the list, though, for a very different reason. Along with many of its neighbors in East Africa, a lot of Uganda's growth will be driven by population growth. But there also has been significant changes in the structure of Uganda's export basket. We've seen the introduction into basic chemicals such as paints and hair preparations, but also limited packaging products, which are both more complex products than would be expected for the income level in Uganda. So starting from the very low base, we expect Uganda to be amongst the fastest growing countries, again for this combined dynamic of limited diversification and fast population growth. Another country in our watch list is Vietnam, for which we expect economic growth to be of 5.9% per year until 2026. Vietnam is one of the countries that has transformed the most their economic structure in the last 20 years. If you compare the export basket of Vietnam in 1996 to our latest data of 2016, you will see that they have completely changed their export basket. It used to be the case that uh, Vietnam was 
mainly exporting tropical agriculture and uh, foodware. But now in the later years, most of their exports come from electronics and transport equipment. And Mexico also makes your list. Can you tell us why? So looking at Latin America and the Caribbean, we do see Mexico leading the growth prospects for the region. It is a highly diversified economy, including many heavy manufacturing goods that are shipped uh, across the border to the United States. Our challenge is that the complexity of Mexico's economy has actually fallen in the ranking since 2006 by one position. This fits a larger regional trend for Latin America and the Caribbean in which economies have not made gains in the diversification or the complexity of their goods as compared to other regions. So while Mexico still has a higher complexity than expected for its current income levels that should drive faster growth in the coming decade, the stagnation overall of the region has us monitoring closely the potential for Latin America to accelerate its growth prospects. Earlier, Tim, you referenced China's jump in the economic complexity index. Which countries lead this index? So the ECA ranking finds the most complex countries in the world in order to be Japan, Switzerland, South Korea, Germany, and Austria. For 2016, we actually see South Korea make a jump uh, above Germany, but rather this group has remained very stable in being the most complex economies in the world. Of the greatest movers, we see that the Philippines, China, Singapore, Romania, even Malaysia are some of the highest risers in that ranking as countries that have significantly diversified into more complex segments of production. On the other side of the spectrum, we find countries such as Venezuela, Gabon, Argentina, and Zimbabwe to be the countries that they has, have declined the most in our uh, economic complexity ranking. So going back to the Scrabble analogy, governments can play a, a significant role in adding new letters to the productive ecosystem, but also can be a significant player in taking letters away from that ecosystem. So unfortunately, in, the, in those cases that we mentioned in Zimbabwe and Venezuela, you've had this elimination of productive know-how reduce the overall complexity of those economies. What about the United States? Where does the U.S. fall in the index? So for the latest 2016 data, the United States ranks 10th in the global economic complexity ranking. That ranking remains unchanged over the decade prior, as we see that the U.S. falls just behind Finland and Sweden, but also ahead of Great Britain, Italy, France, China, and others. So the U.S. has maintained a highly diverse set of exports, but that set of exports remains rather stable over time and remains far behind what we see from countries like Germany, Korea, Japan, and Switzerland at the top of the list. One of the things that have happened in the last 10 or 20 years is that products such as uh, cars now are being produced by many countries. So in some way, those are products that used to be super difficult to put together. You need to have uh, institutions to enforce contracts, uh, you need suppliers, you need uh, many things that the only countries such as the US have. But now, what's going on is that the uh, cars are being assembled everywhere. So, so that's what has been happening to the U.S., that they, many of the things that they do, did and were unique now are being done by many other countries. That's yeah. great. Thank you both for your insights and time. That's all the time we have. Visit atlas.cid.harvard.edu for a complete summary of the 2026 growth projections and the updated economic complexity index. 
Thank you, Chuck. Always a pleasure. If you want to learn more about CID and our events, please visit cid.harvard.edu.